This is Other Voices. We're listening to varied views from local people who might otherwise not be heard. I'm Melissa Hale Spencer, editor of the Altamont Enterprise, which focuses on Albany County, New York. You can reach me at mhs at altamontenterprise.com. I'm talking to three women who think of themselves as sisters in the St. John's Church family. Megan Conley, Karen Williams, and Linda Zell. The three women reflect on the beauty of their church, the patina of the old wood and the heart-stopping splendor of the stained glass windows, but also on the decades of caring that has built relationships within the church and also with the community at large. We joke in church sometimes that, you know, we're Lutheran. We love food, but we do, says Williams. In honor of the church's sesquicentennial, she's putting together a cookbook that incorporates recipes old and new. Today we are celebrating St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church, which is just down the street from the Enterprise, and it is celebrating its 150th anniversary this year. So we have with us three women who are very much involved in the church, and I'm going to ask each one of them to just say one sentence about themselves, anything that's of interest, because that way our listeners can kind of hear who their voices are and get a sense of who they are. So as we talk, Talk, you'll have an idea. Let's start with Karen. Karen Williams. Can you just so say I'm, something? Yes. So I'm Karen Williams. I actually came to the church when my daughter was a, a baby. So I'm a newbie. Um, and I do academic advising at the University of Albany. Um, and I love to be outside. Oh, well, that's great. It's a good day. And two of our uh, speakers are are on their porches. So let's hear from Linda's, Linda Zell. Good morning. Um, I am a longtime St. John's member. I was baptized there, married there, and my daughter was baptized there. So um, my father... You said sentence. My father was a (laughs) a member forever, and so was my grandmother. So I have many generations. I love to swim, garden. I am retired and um, seeing what the next part of my journey is going to be because I just retired from my part-time job after I retired. Oh, my. Oh, my. And what was your career? What did you retire from? I I worked in tax and finance. I was uh, in training for, for adults. Oh, wow. And so now we have Megan Connolly. Good morning, or is it afternoon? Um, I have not been there quite as long as Linda at St. John's. Um, my parent, my father grew up just outside of the village of Altamont. Um, I'm an Armstrong for those of you that are longtime Altamontinians. And I've also am a lifetime member, baptized at St. John's, married there twice. Um, and that that's that's my family. I have mostly been a stay-at-home mom working here and there. Um, four kids, seven grandkids under my belt now. Uh, some of you may recognize my voice because I work at Remedies in Bella Fleur. So I see a lot of Altamont people and it's wonderful getting to know all of you that I might not see anywhere else. Oh, wow. Well, I am just so impressed with both the variety of who you are and also 
your deep connections to the church, because I'm hoping what this conversation will do is so much of us think of churches as just religion. And there's so much more to a church, especially in a community like Altamont. And these rites of passage that you've all mentioned and you've all been involved in, the baptisms, the marriages, and I'm assuming also, sadly, when someone dies, um, going through a church for those moments. If you could just talk a little bit about what what that does to have a church sanctify those important moments in your life. Just any kind of reminiscences you have over that in terms of how St. John's played into that. I would say that it made it so much more of a special event for myself, having been in the church, but just the people in the church become like your family because they care about you that much. And I think hopefully that goes for any church, but specifically at St. John's, it is it is my extended family um, bringing. I brought my children back here sometimes from living in other parts of the state in order to be baptized with my family there, my church family. Um, and I think that that's what is important to many people, especially this day and age, is having that that community and that family, however you might define it, be there for those important times that are so meaningful in our lives, like welcoming a new child and sharing the beginning of a new life together with someone else. Yes, and before we talked, I just quickly looked up a Gallup poll because it's rather stunning. In the time that St. John's has existed, we went from a society where almost everybody went to a church. And we now live in a society where fewer than half of United States residents go regularly to a synagogue, a mosque, or a church. Um, so has that, at St. John's, have you felt like there's been a falling off of membership? Or has, has the sense of community that you all value so highly managed to, <laughs> to overcome that national trend? I moved, if you can tell, because the traffic, even though I'm on a really country road, <laughs> was very distracting. Um, so I'm now upstairs um, just to check in on that. Um, I think what Megan said is the sense of family. It seems it's still a sense of it's still that family. But it's a smaller family, sadly. But the ties are still there. And. Um, you know, hopefully our connection to the community helps with that. Um, but yeah, I think all churches are struggling with that. But like you said, it's not, it's not the religion part of it that holds me there. It's the sense of family. And it doesn't matter how big or small it is. It's still my family. So, well, you mentioned, I have heard that, I've heard that the Northeast, in fact, is the most 
unchurched portion of the United States. I've heard that quoted at other, at another church. And I think, and to piggyback on what Linda says, I don't want to, I know we don't want to give the impression that it's been the same people there forever. There's, I mean, Karen calls herself a newbie, but her daughter is a teenager, so she hasn't, she's not that new. But there are a vast number of new faces that have come into the church since Linda and I have grown up there. Um, and there's a lot of people, obviously, that have passed on that, you know, our, our Linda's dad, my mom and dad, that and aunts and uncles that were longtime members. So it is that process, too. But there and even pastors have come and gone. So that changes the the tenor of what the community is like. But it there are still people like Linda and Karen and I would consider ourselves almost having a sister like relationship because the bond is that strong. And even though it's all different time time frames. Isn't that lovely? That's that's just lovely to consider yourself like sisters. So um, you, Megan, and you, Linda, mentioned through the generations in your family. And do you have a sense of what was handed down, say, from your parents or your grandparents about that church? I myself was a big fan of Keen Hilton. <laughs> I just felt like he uh, kind of embodied to me what... Um, a pastor was, but I don't know if you have reminiscences of earlier a pastor through your family, um, you know, that was kind of handed down in your family tradition, um, leaders in the church that really mattered over the years to your families? Hmm. I, I would say that Linda and I both grew up with Keen as our pastor. So Wasn't, obviously... He was, something. he was, he was just, he was amazing. And I think that I, and I actually reached out to my siblings who are older than me to ask if they had any thoughts that they would share. And a, a lot of what they said was that it was very difficult for them when they moved away from Altamont to find a church that felt the same. And a lot of that has always been attributed to Keene. But having been there beyond that, I would say that has also created that created a base for us to work from, too, although he is greatly missed. And but we have had other a variety of just different pastors, which was great because it brought a different flavor each time to what St. John's was. And I think therefore reached different people. I don't mean to hog the spotlight, but I've been looking at this book. It's that was published for the it's St. John's Evangelical Lutheran Church celebrating 125 years. So this was put out 25 years ago and it was actually published by Ken Buse, who is a member of St. John's and also a printer, <clears throat> retired now. But it was interesting looking through that to see there's a lot because Keen was the pastor then and him talking about what he felt was the basis for the church and it was talking about having that diversity and welcoming the diverse types of people as you mentioned before even just in this group of the three of us to bring diversity together to share and sometimes argue and not always agree and he's mentioned 
because it was during the Vietnam War when he was, you know, a large part of the church growing up. But working, how to work through that disagreement and still still be family. I, from my, so my grandmother was there um, and Akinholtz, which is a popular name in Altamont too and I always forget that roots and so my dad was cousins with Keen so they grew up together and knew each other for a long time so I guess that sense of you know family came through for me too and the bond that my my dad and Keen had and um, you had mentioned Keen but like Megan said we've had some we've had several since then and they've all impacted us in different ways but for, for me Keen was my foundation for sure um, he was there when my sister passed, and um, like you had said, we had the funerals plus the, the baptisms and stuff. So he helped us through all that as well. So, um, so yeah, just I, I guess it really comes down to whether you're talking about the bigger family and the sisters that we are through the church, or the you know the more the, the core family. So all of it is right there. Well, I talked for an earlier podcast to your new minister, Eric Reimer, and I loved what he said. Um, It was right before Thanksgiving, and he said, whether you're a Christian or not, I think we can all benefit from the act of actively giving thanks and looking for things to be thankful for. And then he challenged the podcast listeners, and this is a quote, to look for different reasons to be thankful, to have gratitude. And I will then challenge you to find new ways to express that gratitude to others and to help build relationships and spread love. And I'd just like to take off from that because I looked on your church website and oh my goodness, <laughs> you've got so many different activities and things um, that I would think do just that, you know, build relationships and spread love. And I don't know if you want to talk about any or all of them, but I mean, it includes music, it includes a youth group that does a 30-hour famine for world vision. It includes, of course, Sunday school, prayer chains, a men's breakfast, a fellowship group, a Lutheran church women group, a Bible study group, a prayer group, social ministry. So if you could just kind of talk about any of those that have affected you and how that does build relationships Can I jump in about the 30-hour famine? Yeah. Because my daughter is so excited that after two years of COVID with not having had it when she was just finally old enough to go, um, we're having it and we're working with other churches. I think we're doing it with ARC, um, you know, and maybe another congregation to, you know, build these relationships among the kids and and help them meet each other and spend time with each other and get to know more about the world so what, what is that? Today. Describe that. What is that? <laughs> so the 30 hour famine is um, our youth group teenagers like 12 to 17 or 18, um, whenever they graduate high school or they can come back and they take 30 hours out of their lives to not just experience what it's like not to eat um, so they can have water, they can have juice, but they don't eat food of any kind. They don't have milk or anything like that. 
and they also do research and watch films and play games that help them understand what it's like for people in the world who don't have, you know, solid, consistent sources of food. Um, people who are hungry and who struggle to have food and sometimes even water. They had uh, a game they played one year where they would um, have to walk, you know, all around the church and up the stairs and and water in a small container and hope that they got upstairs with enough water, you know, to drink because even water is is a rough resource in some parts of the world. So it's to raise their awareness, but also to help them build relationships with each other. Yeah. And it's actually coming up at the end of September. So it's very exciting. They, they actually spend the weekends at the church with adult supervision. So yes. it's, they are together from, is it Friday night until Sunday morning? Uh, it's Friday. Well, they start on their own. So they start Friday at noon, usually not eating. Right. And then it goes, they stay overnight at church Friday night, and then it goes until Saturday evening. So that does sound quite extraordinary. So what about some of these other, like, music? I see Agnes Armstrong, who, of course, I knew was an organist. <laughs> She's world-known. But what? how does music feed into your experience of the church at St. John's? I have memories going way back because the, um, you know, kids have always been a big part of it. For a long time, we had an actual children's choir, just the decreasing and decreasing numbers. It hasn't been feasible, but they've kind of combined everybody and had one choir, which children are often welcome. Um, but I remember as a kid <laughs> taking part in a Christmas time thing where the entire congregation uh, was offered the opportunity to come together and we sang the hallelujah chorus and we invited the whole community in to hear and listen to it and the you know the choir we were all in if you've never been to St. John's you should stop by because it is a beautiful church but there's a balcony upstairs and that is where all the singers were and just even though not all of us were great singers or even part of the choir we lent our voices and as most of you probably realize when a mass of people join it doesn't really matter how well they sing it was amazing to hear that expression at christmas time and that it just that brings a bond closer is you know joining in music just does that as well as our carillon bells that reach to many people in the village and even our most recent carillon bells were provided by um mark burlingame's family after he passed away and he's not even a member but they heard them all the time and they could tell that they were needing to be replaced so it's it music brings community as well Oh, I think that's a wonderful description of that Christmas <laughs> singing. And you're right. When uh, we ran articles when they were oh, fundraising, yeah. they were calling it Bells for Burls. And so many people said, yes, that was how my mother told me to come home for dinner, <laughs> you know, when you heard the church sound. So it, it spreads out over the whole, the whole village. But several of you have mentioned the church itself. You just said it was beautiful. Just describe... Mm -hmm. For us, especially for those that haven't seen it, describe your church, the physical building, and, and what that means to you. 
Okay, I could do a little okay. bit of that and then not. So if you walk into our um, door that faces Maple Ave, um, you know, it's those nice old arch church doors. We have a small narthex and then you're right in the sanctuary and <clears throat> a lot of the the wood in the sanctuary is the beautiful old wood. It has a nice patina on it around the balcony. It's carved um, and the windows are absolutely gorgeous. There are windows down both side aisles. Um, one of them toward the front that has lilies of the valley and it was actually affiliated with somebody from Tiffany's. Um, and, and of course, you know, Megan and Linda can say more about this, but we have a beautiful mural um, at the front behind the altar. And again, we've got another, you know, pointed arch where the altar sits. Um, and it's, you know, Jesus with some angels and all the disciples. Um, but for me, I, I love to sit in the wood and you can feel the history and all the people that were there before you. And when the sun shines through the windows, you know, mm -hmm. it's cloudy and then the sun comes out and it just changes the atmosphere of the church continually. But if one of you can talk more about that mural and who painted it, that would be cool. No. <laughs> I, I can't. I don't know if Megan knows. I don't know who did. I mean, it's the Ascension. And um, right. you, I mean, you described it perfectly with all the right names for everything, which I could not not have done. So thank you. <laughs> um, I guess what, what, when I'm reading, there are times when the sun's coming through the crown of the crown of thorns on the other side, the stained glass window, which is just yeah. stunning, too. Um, and it just makes my heart stop. Um, and to, to, to build on what you were saying is when we do the Victorian stroll, when we've opened that up to the community, just hearing hearing people's expressions when they come into the church and how beautiful it is, is heartwarming as well. And the other thing that I love about our church is it, it's acoustically, acoustically, is that the way, right way to say that? It's so beautiful too. I mean, just the organ and the singing in there, it's just the perfect spot for it. And also from the outside, it's beautiful. Um, you know, that spire is just mm. what you see when you're like up on the side of the Helderbergs and you look down. It just pierces the sky and it, it kind of beckons you. It's it's just a beautiful, mm. beautiful building. Well, what started it's me on this whole idea of talking about your church was Karen Williams <laughs> had called me, I don't know, months ago because she is assembling a cookbook and I don't want to run out of time without talking about the cookbook. Um, it's part of the 150th anniversary celebration and I'm just so interested to hear how that process is unfolding as well as when and how people might be able to get this cookbook because I think part of the whole church being in the community has to do with food. <laughs> it's, yes. it's nourishing and church suppers are famous for good food. Yeah. And just tell us a little about that, Karen. Yeah. Well, we actually, Lutherans are well there. Yes. <laughs> and that's, I was going to say, we joke in church sometimes that, you know, we're Lutheran, we love food, but we do. <laughs> um, so we were trying to think about, you know, something to sort of commemorate this event, this 150 year anniversary. And well, food came up. And <laughs> so I kind of got the idea that maybe we could look at 
you know, then and now. We've been around all this time. Food has changed. Communities have changed. Um, and so that's when I contacted you because as I started to look back through the enterprise, there are some really fascinating and amazing recipes and there are some really wonky recipes. <laughs> um, so it became, you know, a, a, a dual search to, you know, get people today to contribute recipes. Um, and some of those are, like Megan was saying, you know, things people brought to potlucks and things like that. Um, you know, one of our all-time famous recent recipes is Mindy's Ajax um, almond cheesecake bars. <laughs> so that will be in there, our prior pastor's wife. Um, and our new pastor's mm -hmm. wife, um, Courtney Reimer, has contributed her broccoli salad recipe, um, which we all had recently at a, a council meeting. Um, but also, you know, just trying to give um, people an idea of how food has changed in our community and it hasn't really changed what it is for us. You know, food is still a way to bring people together and to share something with each other. Um, but also it's kind of a reflection of the community too and a reflection of the church. So... So how the, the food the food can also be I think we use it as we bring things to the table that other people might never eat and again it's yeah. bringing what are what instead of looking at people think well I can't go to church because I'm not that religious or whatever it's not celebrating we're not there to celebrate what's what's the same about us we're there to celebrate our differences and share them and food is such a big part of that and trying new dishes that you know like well my mother never made that that but you know somebody else's mother might forget linda's mother lois yule her famous jello recipes the layers of jello and creamy jello it's a hit sometimes people have been known to crash our lutheran church women dinners just to get that and they're not all women <laughs> <laughs> I have speaking speaking to mom and 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 how food is the difference is it's it's also it's also a way to give too is is my mom um for fellowship we always had this thing where fellowship it was always the tried and true whereas the Lutheran church women we would we would try things out on each other my mom for years made an eggplant parm for the fellowship club cuz my dad loved it I'm only finding out today my mom doesn't like eggplant she made it for years for for, the, for that group and my dad, but never liked it herself. So it was the giving of herself for that food, too. I just. Oh, I love that metaphor. <laughs> Both of you. Those are wonderful metaphors. The idea of bringing differences together in food like you do in church and the idea of giving of yourself, even th something that you don't like to eat, but you go and make it for others. Ugh. Goosebumps. So, Karen, how do we how do we get this book? When does it come out, and what do people need to know? Right. So, I'm still in the process of inputting some of these recipes and, and sort of laying it out and planning it. Um, but I'm hoping to have that process finished. I would say within the month, but definitely within the next month. Um, so, depending on printing, they say four to six weeks. You know definitely before Thanksgiving. So even with the Victorian stroll, we'll still have them out and things like that. 
Um, you know, and we may also put up an electronic version, you know, on our um, church website. Um, but the print version is always nice to cook from. I like to cook from print things. So, um, but so definitely before Thanksgiving, um, you know, and it'll be a bound book. And I had actually been given uh, the Ultimate Community 100 Anniversary Cookbook um, by a person, or Lent, I should say. Um, <laughs> You know, for some examples of what's come before, because we've done this before, um, but it would look very much like that in terms of the binding and um, and whatnot. Nice. So we, and we were look also forward. inviting community members to add theirs as well, right? We did. We went outside the church. Um, so I did put a notice in the enterprise and we put notices up in Stewart's and things like that. Um, and definitely still welcome you know, since I'm still in the process, we still welcome more recipes from the community for people who would like to share. Um, and I have my Gmail account in the um, enterprise notice, but I don't know if it's still up. Well, we will look forward to that. And it's perfect timing before Thanksgiving, because that's when even people who don't cook think about <laughs> cooking. <laughs> and oh, our time has gone so fast. Does anyone have closing thoughts that they'd like to leave our listeners with? I, I would just say that if even it, it's not just because our numbers have dwindled, it's just, we, you know, with COVID and and deaths and just Altamont is such a unique Petri dish of all these different people. And it's such a desirable place for young families. That's how the Rhymers chose our church to become, you know, to, to want to come here because they wanted their children to have this atmosphere to, to grow up in. And I just would also want to offer to, people in the village that might be new or people that are old that just want a sense of a greater community, come. We're not going to um, sign you up for 10 million church councils or anything like that. We just like having the, the variety of thought and sharing of ideas. And it's a way to help give back to your community Sometimes that's hard to do on your own, but if you're part of a larger organization and because we're within the organization, I think that's extremely helpful. But don't come in and sit down on a Sunday morning. Someone will likely come and say hello to you, but that's about it. You're not, there's no, there's no big push to join us. We just like having company. <laughs> and I would just build on that, that if, if, Coming into church is not comfortable for you, then come see us at some of our community events and get to know us there. We have the annual garage sale. We're always looking for help there. People have been very generous in helping us, you know, donate things. They can, if, if somebody's got time to help us sell things, that'd be great. Or stop in and see us at the Victorian Stroll and, and get to know us there. So there's lots of different opportunities for that. And I'll just two seconds, because if you had told me 20 years ago, I would be doing a podcast with a church, I would have told you I will not. <laughs> and, but when we walked in one day and just meeting the community and the people in church, I mean, I believe in God. I, I'd gotten away from the church a bit, but this community really 
brought me back in, not because people were like overly friendly and fell all over you, but because they're kind, caring people in church. And I really have enjoyed being a part of that. And I'm very grateful that I have that kind of community and people who care about other people and want to help and appreciate our lives and things like that. So it's been great. That's why we're here for 150 years. Right. (laughs) 